Well, good morning, everyone. want to welcome you again to our Riverstone Church. If you're joining with us for the first time, we're glad you're here. Don't know how you found us, but hope that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you as you seek Him. We're doing a mini-series on the church, and recently we've talked about such things as leadership in the church. We've talked about, last week, Brother Benjamin led us in a fine word on worship in the church. But this morning, I'd like to talk about stewardship in the church. And I want to begin by asking you to ask yourself, what is a steward? Where do we even hear that word? And as, as we, we stop to think about this, um, there's something that I wanted to say up front. As, as we are coming back together as a church, I want to kind of speak from the, the, the perspective of one of your pastors. Pastors one day have to give an account to the Lord. The Bible says we must give an account, Hebrews 13. And one of the things that's making this complicated during this COVID is an analogy I thought of is I feel as though we're kind of like shepherds who are leading a flock, but we've suddenly walked into a valley of fog And so at this point, for many of us, we cannot see some of the sheep. We can see the ones that are close to us. We can see the ones that are attending our services. But for some of our sheep, I wouldn't say they're lost, but we're not necessarily able to find you on the radar. So we have been attempting to phone call, to reach out, to try to see how how everyone is doing. If for some reason you were overlooked, that was certainly unintentional. But I would like to ask a favor from some of you. If you consider Riverstone your church and you have not been in conversation with anyone or have not been in any relationship with anyone, would you do us a favor and email us? We have actually left messages with a number of people, some we just haven't heard back from. So maybe it was an oversight, but as Jesus talks about leaving the 99 and going after sheep, we certainly want you to know that we care. We want to know how you're doing. We're praying for you. But for some of you, we just don't know where you are and haven't heard from you. So there's no, there's no malice there. There's no anger. Just please let us know how you're doing, how we can pray for you, even if it's just by going to our website Uh, shooting us a quick email. But anyway, with that being said, let's talk about stewardship today. We rarely hear that word steward anymore. In fact, perhaps you remember years ago when you would fly on an airline, they would speak of the stewardess. Um, But we don't use that word very much anymore. Perhaps if you've been on a cruise, you've heard of a steward. But at the same time, in general... The idea of a stewardship is something that we rarely talk about. So I want to begin by talking about the word stewardship. What does the word itself mean? If you were to look in a dictionary, you would find that a stewardship is really simply just managing or supervising either your own or someone else's possessions. So if, for example, your neighbor went away and they said, listen, Um, would you watch my kids, watch my dog, pay my bills, we're going to be away for a while, Um, you would be a steward over your neighbor's household. 
This word in the New Testament was used in a number of times when Jesus spoke of parables of stewards, people who were in charge of someone else's stuff. And sometimes he would talk of just stewards and good stewards and faithful stewards, and then he also talked about shrewd and cunning and unwise stewards. But when it comes to Christianity, I, I want us to think about stewardship as primarily a sense in which we are responsible to manage certain things for the Lord. And so all of us are stewards in that respect. I don't want to limit stewardship to simply giving, but I want us to think of it in a broader sense. So if you have your Bible, I want us to begin by turning to the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is going to talk to the Corinthians about the stewardship of their resources, of their money. But we're going to think broader than that, but we're going to start with this passage. Now, let me give you just a brief background. Paul, wherever he went, had a burden to collect money for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. There were two reasons for that. Number one, there was a famine that had impoverished that area of Judea. And secondly, because the Jewish believers were being severely persecuted, and as a result of that, were having a hard time making ends meet because they couldn't get jobs, they were being ostracized and mistreated. So whenever he went to Gentile churches, he would take up a sacrificial offering, and he would say, listen, you owe it to your Jewish brethren to share your resources. And as he went to different churches, he recognized that sometimes he would come to an area that's really poor. And so one of those areas that he went to that was really poor was Macedonia. And they were so poor that Paul didn't even want to take an offering from them because he recognized that they were probably just as poor as the Christians in Judea. But ironically, these Macedonians, when they learned about this offering, even though they were extremely poor, they themselves decided that they wanted to give, and they did give. And so the passage that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 8, is going to outline for us just the beginning of what stewardship looks like. Now, the reason Paul is writing at this point is he's asking the Corinthians to join in this stewardship of their possessions. The Corinthians had promised that they too were going to give an offering to the poor Jews in Jerusalem, but they didn't. It had been a year since they promised and they had done nothing. So Paul begins his appeal by reminding the Corinthians that the Macedonians were good stewards. And as we read through verses 1 through 9, then I want us to loop around and, and just make three observations about stewardship. But let's take a look, first of all, at our passage. He says, Now, brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, don't miss that. He doesn't just say, I want to tell you what happened. He says, I want you to know the grace of God. And then he says, this is what the grace of God did. In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. And you say, Paul, well, how generous were they? He said, I testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, they gave, and they gave of their own accord. In fact, Paul said, they begged us 
with much entreaty for the favor of participating in the support of the saints. And I think reading between the lines, Paul was probably saying, you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And they said, no, please, let us. But then he said this, this was not what we had expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Note that. They gave themselves to us and to the Lord first. Then he says, consequently, we urge Titus, who was one of Paul's fellow workers in the gospel, that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith, utterance, and knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in the love that we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. So in other words, Paul's saying, hey, listen, you guys have stuff to steward, to share with others. Like the Macedonians, I want you to do this. But then he says this, I'm not speaking this as a command, verse 8, but I'm proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. And then Paul does something that he frequently does in the New Testament. When he wants to appeal to Christians to change, he points us to Jesus. So he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. As we think about stewardship this morning, I want you to think about all that you own, everything that you have, including yourself, your health, your body, your time, your possessions, your family. And I want you to think about yourself and say, okay, as a steward who's managing and supervising myself and my stuff, what is that going to look like? So the first thing I want to remind you is that stewardship is always sourced in the grace of God. I want you to note that verse 1 and verse 9 that we read both mention the grace of God. And I actually want to start in verse 9 where Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea of grace and being sourced in grace is that God is, is, is the ultimate example of generous undeserved giving for reasons known only to God not because we deserved it Jesus who had all the glorious wealth of heaven was willing to lay that aside and come down here to earth and figuratively as Paul said he became poor which is an understatement because far more than giving up the glories of heaven he went to the cross for us so our very salvation is sourced in the unspeakable wonderful grace of Jesus when he died and bore our hell so that we could be saved. But in addition to the saving grace of the cross of Jesus, all of our stewardship is ultimately sourced in the grace of God. Because as Paul observed this wonderful deed that the Macedonians had done, that they gave way beyond what, what he expected, he said, I want you to know the grace of God. So here's what I'm trying to communicate, that any time that we give of ourselves or our resources to the Lord, ultimately God gets all the glory 
because we recognize that it's sourced in his grace that is at work in us. The Bible tells us that God is at work in us to will and work for his good pleasure. And so as you and I accomplish anything for Christ, as we grow, change, or do ministry, ultimately, as Paul said, it's not us, but the grace of God working in us. So it gives you a framework to sort of think about all of your stuff and even who you are even when it comes to using your spiritual gifts. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 4, he said, each one of us has a gift. So he says, and this fits right with what I'm trying to communicate, so use your gifts, he said, because that's what it means to be a steward of the manifold grace of God. So let's begin with that, to understand that that all of Christian stewardship is sourced in grace. We're just responding back to a God who graciously died on a cross, to a God who graciously has gifted us and blessed us, and to a God who graciously, actively works in us to accomplish his purposes. So having said that, let me move then to say, while stewardship is sourced in grace, it starts then with the response of giving of ourselves. Oftentimes when people think of stewardship, they think, okay, so what you're basically saying, Tom, is you want me to write a check. And actually, no, that's, that's not the starting point. The starting point of Christian stewardship is not our stuff, it's our self. I'm reminded years ago of an experience I had when a man came to a church that I used to pastor, and he said, Pastor, I want to donate some land to your church. I said, he said, I want it to be used for youth concerts. I think it's going to be a great way that we can use it to reach young people for Christ. And I said, you know, that's really pretty cool that, that you want to do this. But I said, before we, we go there, I said, um, I want to talk to you about your relationship with God because I really don't know where you stand in your relationship with God. And he said, well, I'm a Christian. He said, but I'm not going to lie. I get drunk all the time. And he said, I've been a Christian for, since I was in high school. And I said, has that concerned you that, that you get drunk all the time? Do you not recognize that scripture says no drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God? Now, that doesn't mean he's not a Christian. But he said, yeah, no, it really hasn't been an issue. And he said, frankly, I think really I just became a Christian just to get my parents off my back. And so I said to him, well, you know, I want you to think about this. Before you give this land to God, don't you think it's more important that you give yourself to God? That ultimately, what is it to give our possessions to God if we hold back of ourselves? I was reading a sermon by Spurgeon recently in which he said, why would God really delight in the animal sacrifices anyway when in fact they're his animals in the first place? So notice what Paul said about the, the Macedonians here. And this is, this is very practical. He said in verse 5, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. And so ultimately, as you think about Christian stewardship, ask yourself, has the offering plate ever gone by and you put yourself in it? Not, not money, not a check, but your very self. 
In fact, this fits well with what Benjamin talked about last week in Romans 12 because ultimately Christian worship is not just singing to God, but it's surrendering to God. And so this is an ongoing practice that I want to encourage you to think about that ultimately my stewardship is not, first of all, what I do with my stuff. It's what I do with myself. Romans 12 tells me that I am to present myself to God, and that's an ongoing practice. Each day I have the opportunity to be a steward of my own self and what I do with my body, with my mind, with my time, with my hands and my heart. These are all expressions of my personal stewardship. This is why Paul appealed to Christians not to be involved in immorality. He said, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and, ready, you're not your own. And so I really want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters, and I need to challenge myself, that the beginning of stewardship is to recognize that each day it starts with me giving myself to the Lord. Not because I have to, but because he graciously gave himself for me. And so the Christian life is an ongoing stewardship thank you note. It's an acknowledgement that we're the whole realm of nature mine. That's a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my best, my life, my all. And I know from my own experience that when I'm not living my life for Christ, the songwriter nailed it when he said this, we never can know the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who will trust and obey. So I really want to press this home, that Christian stewardship starts with an ongoing giving of yourself, and that's measurable. It's measurable because you can ask such things as, what do I do for Christ? How much time do I actually spend thinking about Christ, talking to the Lord, serving him, doing things? Bob and I were talking this week, and he said, you know, it'd be interesting. What if each person in this church stewarded themselves to the Lord in the same way that you did? Would it be a stronger church or a weaker church? So we all need to hear this. But one of the ways that you can also measure if you've given yourself to the Lord is Paul says, as they gave themselves to the Lord, he says in verse 5, they gave themselves to us by the will of God. And it's easy to have pie in the sky, me and Jesus. I'm not really connected to any local church, but I give myself to Jesus. Can I suggest that to give yourself to Jesus, if it doesn't lead to getting involved in a local church, might just be a sense in which you're deceiving yourself. Because the essence of giving yourself to Jesus is then to give yourself to his people in ministry and service in the local church. It's very interesting, the same thing's true in 2 Corinthians, or, or Romans 12, when Paul says, present your body a living sacrifice, but then the next thing he says is, as you, through the grace of God, don't think more highly of yourselves, recognize your gifts and use them in service to others in the body of Christ. So that's why we make a big deal about getting connected, about serving Christ together in this church. And so when Paul says they gave themselves to us by the will of God, it's not as though we're expecting people to line up like little minion robots and say, here I am, pastor, reporting for duty. 
But at the same time, what a joy it is to pastors and elders to have people in our fellowship who are eager and saying, how can I help? What can I do? How can you use me? How can God use me? What can we do together to advance the gospel and bring glory to our Lord Jesus and win people to the Savior? And so as we think about stewardship, we know it's sourced in grace. We know it starts with giving of ourselves and our service to Christ. But ultimately, it overflows and it leads to my stuff. If it only stops with myself, but it never touches my stuff, then we probably are dealing what Jesus said when he talked about the dangers of greed and covetousness and the love of money and selfishness. So you'll remember a while back that Pastor Bob shared uh, an illustration of three people at a table, and there's always this dynamic in a church. There's, there's unbelievers, there's newer believers, and there's mature believers. And, and the goal is to have mature believers reaching unbelievers and new believers reaching unbelievers, but then unbelievers becoming believers and then new believers becoming mature believers. A lot of that comes in the process of discipleship as we give of ourselves, but it also is important that we learn to give of our stuff. And so it's not an either or. We're talking now about being generous with our money now and our resources. I want to remind some of you that haven't heard me say this. For years, I as a pastor felt that it was a good idea not to talk at all about money. Just leave that between people and the Lord because if people fall in love, then they're going to give generously and you really don't need to make a big deal. I think I was reacting to the same thing many people react to and that is these guys, they get on television and no matter what they're preaching on, in five minutes they want to get to your wallet and they want you to send them money. But something that the Lord revealed to me through scripture was that That's not how Jesus discipled people. When Jesus discipled people, he unashamedly spoke in great detail about money and about treasures and about possessions. And so while I don't have time to to outline, and I want to encourage you to go back and look at our 2 Corinthians series and just go through chapters 8 and 9 and and ask yourselves questions about tithing and and giving and generosity and how much should I give to my church and what about giving to others? There's, there's lots of things that we talked about there. But I do want to remind you of one illustration that I used and that was what we called a giving ladder because your giving is one of the barometers of your heart because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, If you don't remember this, I want to remind you that right now in evangelical circles, in Christian Bible-preaching churches, statistically across the country, it is a well-documented fact that half of the people who attend Bible-preaching churches don't give anything to their church, nothing, zero. Now, when I first learned that, I was stunned. I was like, come on, I don't believe that. But it's well-documented. Now, with that in mind, I want you to then think of your stuff and what you do with it as a resource you're a steward and i want you to envision here a ladder okay 
So as you're looking at this ladder, picture that. Here's the first rung. If you never give to the Lord, you don't give anything, then you're at ground zero, okay? You're not even on the stewardship ladder with your resources. So, so if you are there and you do not give to the Lord, I want to urge you, I want to encourage you to consider that that is unbalanced and unless there are extraordinary circumstances for that, I would probably want to go as far as saying, I'm not sure that that area of your life is pleasing to the Lord. So at the same time, some of you are on the first rung of the ladder. You give occasionally. You, you don't really plan on it. You Maybe if you have a couple extra dollars, if the plate is going around, you'll put something in and you're not opposed to it. It's just not a part of your DNA yet. You're not motivated. You're not self-started. But if you're in a setting where plate's going around, you're not opposed to it. You'll drop a $10 bill in or a couple bucks. I want to suggest that as a Christian, you and I need to think more deeply about that. We need to think about how much do I have and then how much do I give from what I have. And that's why I want to encourage you to keep some sort of records just for your own documentation so that you don't deceive yourself. Because God isn't so much impressed with how much you give. This person might give $10,000 a week. This person might give $10 a week. But sometimes it's not so much what we give, but it's what we keep. And so if you're only giving on a sporadic basis without any planning or thoughtfulness, I want to encourage you to move to the next area of the stewardship rung where you're giving regularly, where it's now a part of your Christian DNA that you recognize that all that you have belongs to God and you want to begin to honor the Lord. You're going to start regularly giving to God. Now, people will often ask, do I need to give a tithe and does the Bible command me to give 10%? And that, that's debated, and I'm not sure the Bible's 100% clear. But I certainly want you to start fixing a percentage in your mind and try to start doing that on a regular basis and increase that as God provides for you. Increase that, not because you're hoping that you're going to win the jackpot and God's going to give you $2 for every dollar, but because it's pleasing to the Lord and it's part of Christian stewardship. Some of you have actually reached a place where you're tithing, and that, that's, that's awesome. In fact, if every Christian tithed, we would, we would just be so overflowing with resources that we could be sending missionaries all over the world. It, it saddens me that regularly I meet young people who want to go to the mission field, but there's just not enough support for them, and sometimes they have to wait years. So if you're not giving 10%, I want you to consider why that is. There may be some reasons, but for many of us, we can afford to give more than that. And so beyond that, tithing is another tier called hilarious, generous giving. And I think that that is just an awesome place where God wants us to get, where the Bible calls us cheerful givers. We're glad to share. And I want to encourage you to consider that there's this um, sort of a, a cycle that goes on here. As, as you and I learn to steward our stuff, the first thing I want to remind you is that whatever you do for Christ with yourself, 
whatever you give to Christ from a sincere motive, you are storing up treasures in heaven. Jesus will reward you for that. He keeps accurate records. There's no sacrifice made below that's not honored and acknowledged and rewarded in heaven. In addition to that, as you give, God promises all over the Bible that he will provide for you so you can give again. So the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. He that sows generously will reap generously. And so try that. Try and see how God will provide for you as you give generously. Third, your giving is going to help meet the needs of God's people. It's just a joy to be able to say, hey, I have a little extra and I see somebody else that's in need. It is true. Jesus was absolutely spot on when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then remember this, that your giving will cause people to give thanks to God. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said it has caused an abounding of thanks to God. So, in some ways I want to close by asking you to think about stewardship and your stuff as maybe asking, what is my real God? So, how about this? I found this online. I thought this was interesting. If you find it easy to spend money on clothes, I mean, you're just buying clothes left and right and very preoccupied with your personal appearance, spending a lot of money on that, then maybe your wardrobe is your treasury. That's where your heart is. Or maybe if you find it difficult to give money away. Now, it's easy to put it into the new house. It's easy to get stuff for your own house, your own possessions, your own cars, but you find it very difficult to give to anyone else, then maybe you're trusting that your stuff is going to make you happy. Maybe others of us look at spending money in ways that we sneer. Some people actually, they save everything. They're frugal. They're amassing their wealth, their treasury and their bank and their security. But sometimes that's, a, that's a, a way of really just looking to control our chaotic world and, and, and do what the Bible calls putting our trust in the uncertainty of riches. So somebody once said, money will always show you what you worship. Sometimes money serves as a security idol or an approval idol or a control idol. But I can promise you this, that money will not give you what your heart longs for. It's what Jesus longs for. And so as we move forward here at Riverstone Church, I want to thank so many of you who have been extraordinarily generous, extraordinarily generous with your stewardship. You have continued to give. You have continued to support the Lord's work. I want to encourage all of us to pray that we can do more for Christ but I particularly want to challenge several things. Number one, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you're one of those sheep that we haven't heard from, would you do us the courtesy of letting us know? I mean, if I'll use the pasture illustration, if you've left our church and found a greener pasture, it would still be an act of courtesy to let your pastors know that you're now fellowshipping somewhere else. If indeed you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and we don't know it, let us know. But please, respond to us as your shepherds. And then also, beyond our stewardship of our stuff, I want to just focus for a moment on the significance 
of how stewardship always starts with ourselves. So let's, let's regroup this morning and ask ourselves, as we head into the fall with all the chaos of kids going back to school and working online, the number one priority is not what happens on the horizontal level, but my relationship with Christ. And let's ask God that each day we will develop a growing habit of being a steward of ourselves, which Jesus described as follow. Each day, he said, I want you to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And the joy of that is it's not because we have to. It's because he already did it for us. The gospel is such an inspiration that because Christ loved me, he gave himself for me, he sealed my pardon, he paid my debt, he washed me in his blood, and he said, freely you've received, freely also give. Whenever we become inverted and turn back and stockpile and become selfish with ourself and our stuff, it just leads to frustration, idolatry, and a lukewarm wasting of our lives. So let's ask God to light within all of us as his disciples a passion to be stewards of our stuff, but starting with a surrender of ourselves so that this fall we can see God do extraordinary things. He is doing great things but he does great things through yielded people. And so let's yield together to Christ. And if you have questions about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, we're not trying to get your money. God wants to give you the gift of everlasting life. And right there today as you're listening, you can say to Jesus, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross and you paid for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you're coming again and I'm willing to follow you. I trust that your word is true, and I ask you from this day forth to forgive me and to help me to become part of a Christian family. Grant me the gift of everlasting life and help me to be a steward of myself the rest of my life in gratitude to you. Text us, email us, call us. Let us know how we can help. Thank you. God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing many of you in person. Father, thank you for our time together. May your word instruct, encourage, and inspire us to be stewards of your marvelous grace. We ask that you will bring us back together sooner rather than later. Father, for those who have lost their way, may you bring them back. For those who are on fire and generous and giving and living for you, may you continue to encourage them. Lord, may all of us reach out to one another in love as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.